0: Good morning. This morning I'll be reading from Psalm 77, verses 11 through 14. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? You're the God who performs miracles. You display your power among peoples. This is God's word, and please be seated. Inside of the announcement sheet is an outline that you can use as we go through our study this morning. And uh, what we do here at MacArthur Park this time of year, every year, is as we get ready to uh, to see some families that are getting ready to to move on to. Uh, The next place, and this is the time of year that makes it kind of advantageous to move. Or we have some of our kiddos who have just graduated from high school that are moving on to the military or some kind of vocational school or to the university or or to whatever's next in life. Uh, We always take out a Sunday at this time of the year to remind all of us, as well as them, what it is that, that we represent wherever we go in the world, and who we are as children of the King. And we're going to begin our study, as we always do, by asking God to, uh, to, to bless us and then to do that in prayer. Father, early this, this morning, as the sun comes up and the day begins, we come together as, as Your children, recognizing in all humility that, that You are our Father and that is so because of Your love and the sacrifice of Your Son Jesus that has brought us into, uh, uh, into Your embrace and, and into your, your family forever and ever. And we pray, Father, never to, to lose sight of the greatness of that event and of that fact, that truth of our life. And we pray, Father, that as we go through the remainder of this time in which we come together as Your children, to recognize You and to worship You together as a family. That for the rest of our days we will contemplate and ponder the greatness of Your grace to us. And that we not only, Father, will continually be transformed into the image of Jesus, but that we will participate with You, Father, in Your human project in this world. And we pray all of this, Father, that You will give us eyes to see and ears to hear and to be blessed by our study this morning. This we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Recent study uh, by Microsoft. 2,000 consumers discovered that the average human attention span has gone down from 12 seconds. Last time they studied it was in the year 2000 where it was 12 seconds. Has gone down from 12 seconds to about 8 seconds which means that humans have an attention span shorter than a goldfish, which clocks in at a robust nine seconds. And the proof of that fact is that many of you have allowed your mind to wander just in the telling of this illustration. The point is, memory is a funny thing. Memory is a funny thing. The story is told of some 30 year old friends who decided to have a reunion, discussed when they got together where they wanted to go to dinner. One of them suggested that they meet at the Glowing Embers restaurant where the waiters and the waitresses are young and trendy, and they all agreed. They had a great time. Fifteen years later, at the age of 45, the group got together again, discussed where to dine. Someone suggested the Glowing Embers because the menu was excellent and a lot of variety in it, and the chef was great. They all agreed. Fifteen years later, at the age of 60, the group of friends reunited and discussed where to meet for dinner. Someone suggested the Glowing Embers restaurant because it's a quiet place. You can eat in peace and, well, it's smoke-free. They all agreed. Fifteen years later, at the age of 75, the group met, wanted to have another reunion, discussed where to have dinner. Someone suggested the Glowing Embers restaurant because it was physically accessible and they have an elevator. They all agreed. Finally, 15 years later, at the age of 90, the same group met, discussed where to have dinner. Someone suggested the glowing ember because they had never been there before. They all agreed. <laughs> One of the things that I notice as I get older, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very uh, quick to forget some things. And because that's true, I need to be reminded all the time of certain things. Just ask my wife. There are truths, though, when it comes to life, there are truths we must never forget. Right? And I want to, uh, to, to remember a couple of these this morning. The first one is that God is the core and the center of all things. Let's say that together as a church. God is the core and the center of all things. Okay, that was a practice run. Let's say it with some gusto. God is the core and the center of all things. Exodus chapter 20. You shall have no other what? Gods before me. Matthew chapter four verse ten. Jesus says to Satan during this temptation period, says away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Now one of the things you've heard me say from time to time is that, you know, the Bible never commands worship. The Bible recognizes that your heart is made for worship. The Bible recognizes that, that because your heart will worship naturally, that worship is going to be something that you do. It never has to command worship. What the Bible commands is that if we are going to worship, let it be God. Because you can worship the wrong thing, and when you worship the wrong thing, and it becomes the core and the center of your life, it will bend you and it will twist you. Again, that is why the Bible teaches us to worship God and to worship God alone. Putting God at the core gives you a center point for your life. Now there are going to be temptations to not get up and to not go to worship and not to be with God's people and not to remember the cross as we gather around the table in communion on the first day of the week. To not be involved in some kind of a ministry. Those will always be a temptation. Especially when you go to a new place that's new and the faces are new and and the the locations are different and you're not quite as familiar and you're not quite as comfortable. You have to fight that by making sure that from the very beginning of your time away from this place, that you make it a habit, an ingrained habit of your life, that you will always be a part of the worship of God with God's people. And again, it will be hard at first. You're not going to know a lot of people. You're not going to know your way around the building. You're not going to know your way even around that town. You're not going to be familiar with the song leader that you've been singing with or the preacher that you've been listening to. But when you give it time and you you understand the importance of always involving yourself in the discipline and the actions and the work and the service that brings God to the core and the center of your life, you will become more and more comfortable with time and find yourself blessed. So God is the core and the center of all things. We always have to remember that. Wherever we go in this world, but the second thing I want you to remember is that we live in the grip of grace. We live in the grip of grace. Let's say that again out loud. Live in the grip of grace. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 8, for it is by what? Grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. You live in the grip of grace. In Romans chapter 5, the first two verses of that chapter, Paul writes, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this what? Grace, in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Some of you remember there was a few weeks in the spring of 1995 that baseball was a very different game. The professionals, both at the major league and the minor league level, were on strike, wanted more money. There were some conditions that were not being met. They were in, on strike. But the owners wanted the season to begin. So the owners hired anyone who knew a strike from a bunt. And one day, here's this guy who's coaching Little League. The next day, he's playing in the big leagues. And if you remember anything about that season, the games weren't anything to write home about. The hits barely got out of the outfield. One manager said that his pitchers threw the ball so slow that his radar gun couldn't clock them. Guys were not in the best shape, as you can imagine. But here's the thing. The game was different. The players were having a ball. When the coach said run, they ran. When the coach needed someone to shag flies, there was like a dozen guys that would run out into the outfield. They got to the park early and the grounds crew at the end of the day had to run them out at the, at, at the end of the day. So happy were they just to be in that clubhouse. They thanked the attendants for washing their uniforms, the caterers for bringing the food, the fans for paying a dollar to come to the games, to watch the games. They didn't question calls by the umps. In fact, believe it or not, they thanked the umps after the games. The reason they were living a life they didn't deserve. They were living a life that they did not deserve. You know, one way to describe the Gospel and the impact that it gives you or makes on you is that it introduces introduces you to the possibility of a life that you don't deserve. You cannot save yourself I can't save myself. No human being has ever been to save themselves. There has only been one who lived a perfect life. Jesus is the Son of God who came to earth in the form of a man. He lived that perfect life. And because Jesus did not sin, death would have no claim on His life. But Jesus, in love, and in compassion and in mercy did die on the cross and paid the penalty for our sins. He lived the life that we should have lived. Died the death that we should have died. His resurrection was the signal that God was satisfied with Jesus' sacrifice. And through our trust and our faith in what Jesus accomplished for our good, we come into our relationship with the One who made the heavens and the earth. And it's not just a one-off event in which we experience um. Uh, uh, salvation and the remission of our sins and the gift of the indwelling of the spirit on that day, but it is it is something that we experience on a daily basis as we are transformed by degrees every day by god 's spirit by relationship with brothers and sisters by god 's word into the likeness of jesus and not only that not only are we going through a personal transformation but we are involved in in the in the uh, the transformation of culture and society and of of, of cities. By partnering with God in God's human project. The mission that God has on planet Earth. And so we live in the grip of grace knowing happily and and peacefully and without worry that we are God's and God's alone. And that we're participating with Him in what it is that is His human project. But then there's a third thing that I would remind you of, and that is discipleship is a full-time job discipleship is a full-time job. You may have noticed through the years that I really talk about us as disciples more than I refer to us as Christians. Now, I have nothing against the term Christian. It's biblical. But I want to make sure that we understand that there is more to our faith than just Christian principles. We are called to be disciples. We follow in the steps of Jesus. We become like Him in every area of our life. And that's not something that happens overnight. It is a process and it's work. But... As John says in 1 John chapter 2, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. The old NIV, the, the, the early version of NIV says we must walk as Jesus walked. You live like Jesus wherever you are, whether it's a dorm or a military base or a locker room or a new office complex or a new cubicle, or an apartment complex, in a new town, in a new university, whatever. That's difficult. Because sometimes you have to live across the grain. But there is never a moment that you do not live as a disciple of Jesus. Obviously, reading your Bible and prayer are important, but so are worship and service and how you think about life and where you place your affections on a daily basis and how you think about the events that are are, are transpiring around you. Which means that you have to apply yourself to God's Word in such a way that you begin to think theologically. That is, to think like Jesus would think about certain events and people and all of these things going on around us. But discipleship is about a relationship. An ever-growing, developing relationship with God. And that's why discipleship is a full-time job. Say that with me. Discipleship is a full-time job. Next, Service is a way of life. Service is a way of life. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. A verse that all of us should have memorized. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as what? A ransom. He came to serve, to give His life as a ransom for many. You know, the Internet is an interesting thing. And Apple seems to make it more interesting as we go along. There is uh, this app, fairly new, called... Got this thing. Got this thing. Works like this. Suppose you have a friend moving on Saturday. He's asked you if you want to uh, to help him move, if you're free to help him move. The answer, honestly, is yes. Because you don't have anything special that's planned. But the real answer, the emotional answer, is no. Because, well, you're not really close to this guy and you don't feel like doing it. So, if you only had something else going on, you could get out of it. Enter... Got This Thing app. Now, by the way, many of you are trying to download this thing right now. Don't do it. <laughs> the app uses your phone's location to populate your Google Calendar with local stuff that's happening. You hit the busy Get Busy button, and your blank calendar explodes with events like confetti on New Year's Day. I mean, it just fills up. And all of a sudden you can show, Hey, look, I'm really busy. I can't help you out. Now, it it could be a great app to discover new things to do, but if the intent is to get you out of things that you do not want to do and to serve other people, then it don't get it. This, more than anything else, is just a reminder of something that has been drilled into you over the years. And so we don't need to spend much time here, but you never allow an inconvenience to stand in the way of serving somebody else. You develop the kind of eyesight that sees the needs and the people around you and, and, and you develop the kind of heart that says, whatever it is that I can do to make that person's life blessed because of what God is doing in my life that I'm going to do. it. You never allow an inconvenience or some, some, some uh, mythical comfort zone to stand in the way of serving other people. And serving others is not just good discipleship. It's essential to, to successful living. And then the last thing that I'll say, and I, th- I think you know this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Wherever you go, and whoever you run into, and whatever you endeavor to do, treasure the church. You have a relationship with God. He brings you into His family as His child, His, His son, and His daughter. And, and wherever you go and you find like-minded people where you find the church, where you find the bride, where you find the body of Christ, you find a community of faith. A community in the sense of people that are like-minded. People that are there to pray for you and to support you and to teach you and to mentor you and, and, and to serve you when those needs come up. And you find a place in which you're able to serve and to mentor and do all those things as well. And, and I think that you know this, but let me say it anyway. Some of you are, are, are going away for, for a couple of semesters. Some of you are going away uh, for good in the sense of making a move that will probably never bring you back to San Antonio. You know this, let me say it anyway. This church loves you. That's bottom line, this church loves you. For a lot of you, we saw you born. And we were there the first time that you came into this community of faith with your parents. And the first time we saw you in, in that, that little carrier or in that little dress or the, that little baseball outfit. You had us wrapped around your finger. And in this room are the people that have prayed for you. There have been times when, when you took a moment out maybe at a, at a football game or some kind of a, of, of a recital, a music recital, or at a school play, and you looked out over the audience and you were surprised to see that there were people from this church family that were there participating with all of the other parents and watching you and whatever it is you were doing because it was important to you. And, and people have given of their means to, to, to open doors for you to be involved in different kinds of ministries and different kinds of, of spiritual experiences in the formation of your faith. And wherever you go... God is the core and the center. And wherever you go, you live as a disciple. It's a full-time job. And wherever you go, service is a way of life. And wherever you go, remember that this church loves you. That this church loves you. And who doesn't need more of that? Who doesn't need more of that? Have, have Have you ever been so blessed by a person that it just changed the way that you thought about what it means to be in a relationship with a Christian. What it means to be in fellowship with someone. This church loves you. You always need to surround yourself with godly people who love you and want the best for you, even sometimes when they don't know what's going on in your life. Ben's going to lead us in a song right now and uh, we're going to offer an invitation to anyone who has some kind of a need. This is the church family. This is your community of faith. These are the people that are helping you find your way deeper and deeper into the presence of God. These are the people that are sharing their faith with you and you with them in such a way that it, it, we all go into God's kingdom, into God's heaven, and into God's presence together. And right now, there might be some needs that we need to be praying about. Or there's a, there might be those that that are right now wanting to become a forever child of God by by believing the Gospel and and changing their life and their sins being washed away as they participate in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And receiving that gift of the Holy Spirit and becoming an active, vibrant, dynamic, strong, ever-growing, ever-increasing uh, image of, of Jesus in all that you do day by day in this church family. If that describes you, some of our shepherds are going to be down here at the front. What we would ask of you is to come down and talk to them right now as we stand and praise God together.